0: Welcome to Awaken Podcasts. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Nice to see you all. Nice to see you. Um, Okay. Okay. As you sit, if you would grab your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32. And uh, we're we're doing a kind of a one-off Sunday in between the last series on Esther and this next series on Advent Conspiracy, uh, and we're kind of we're calling it Vision Sunday. So if you were here in May, we did a, a day where we just kind of updated everybody on the life of awaken, uh, where we we're at financially and some different things like that. We're a church plant, so we're pretty new. Um, so this information is very very important to us. Uh, should be to any community, I think, but but specifically to us. Um, and in Exodus chapter 32, I think we get. Uh, We're presented with a vision of God's people that I want to just kind of hone in on briefly before we jump into some of the details. And if if you're here this morning, you're thinking, oh gosh, I just walked in on like a business meeting. Um... Not really. I mean, yes, in some ways we'll we'll share some information that may be shared at a business meeting, yes. But I want to couch this whole thing in vision, and I want to talk to you about it in terms of vision because I think it's absolutely connected to and imperative that we connect it to vision because if we don't, then it becomes useless information. So um, in chapter 32 of Exodus, I think we're presented with this interesting vision of God's people. And so um, as we introduce some of these things and, and talk about them, We're going to revisit some things for some of us, those who call Awaken home. Some of this will be review, but uh, recognize that some of you have joined us since then, the last time we did this. So it's important that we kind of circle the wagon. Uh, For those that don't know, Awaken exists too. Can anybody um, shout it out? Anybody know this? Oh, payday for me! That is awesome! Usually, it's just like crickets, you know, and you're like, what is the vision of this ministry? Why do we exist? And everyone's like, do you know? Do you know? I'm not sure. Is it that one thing? But you guys just jumped right in. That is awesome. Uh, That's great. Here's the thing. Uh, A guy named Andy Stanley says that vision leaks. And I think he's spot on. Uh, And so, Awaken exists to demonstrate and announce the way of Jesus in the world. This is why we do what we do. This is why we exist. This is the language that we kind of couch it in. And it's how we talk about why we're here. Um, we're trying to do something, we're trying to create something, and if you've been around Awaken a little bit, I think you may, uh, I've said this to a few people, and they're like, yes, 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 and so I've gotten some affirmation of this idea. But if that's why we exist, what we're trying to do, what we're trying to create, and I think what, what we're doing is, is creating a safe place for you to journey uh, with Jesus at the center. Uh, we're trying to do something specific about uh, and with this community, and it taps into this idea of trying to create a safe place for people to journey. We recognize that people come from all different walks of life, all different places, different experiences, different highs, different lows, different victories, different defeats. And church sometimes is a place where you feel like you have to have it all together. It's a place where you feel like you have to have the answers. And if you ask that one question and you, and you, um, you, you sort of... Uh, uh, tap into or call into question some sacred thing that everybody believes when you're a part of this community, then you're like, whoa, you're you're that person. And we don't want to do that. We want to create a place where you can ask questions, where no matter where you are on the journey, uh, whether you're totally committed to Jesus or not even sure about if the resurrection actually happened, uh, we want to create a community of faith that allows you to ask the questions you need to ask and journey to the places you need to journey Uh, with Jesus at the center. That's our one non-negotiable. If there's anything that we will not take off the table, it's that. So that's what we're trying to do. Now, um, this is the identity. This is a bit of the DNA of Awaken, and I think in Exodus chapter 32, we get a little bit about identity. If you look at the book of Exodus, it really is a story of identity. It's a story about a group of people who are learning just who is this Yahweh, who is this this God who calls himself, I am that I, that which I am, or I will be what I will be. Who is this God, and who are we? And Exodus becomes the story of this group of people learning who they are and who this God is. So Exodus chapter 32, we're going to start in verse 7, and we'll just read a, a short portion here. And if you know the story of Exodus, this is where um, Charlton Heston, I'm sorry, excuse me, Moses <laughs> goes up on the mountain and... Uh, and, and in, the, in his uh, absence, his brother thinks it's a brilliant idea to build a golden calf, right? Um, Moses is gone. Nobody knows where he is. He's been up there a really long time, like 40 days. And uh, we're getting kind of bored down here. So, and everybody gives Aaron the short end of the stick. But, I mean, actually, and we may study this at some point in the future, Aaron's not too far off. But be that as it may, they build a golden calf, and God gets furious about it. So that's where we are in the story. Verse 7 says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them, and they have cast, uh, made, an, made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed to it and sacrificed to it and have said, These are your, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them, and I may destroy them, and then I will make you into a great nation. And Moses replies, But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. O Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people, whom you brought out of Egypt with a great, great power and a mighty hand? Question. Did anybody notice anything interesting about that exchange? You're students of the text, right? You're not coming here to, for, to be spoon-fed by me. So did you notice anything interesting about the text, the interaction between Moses and God and Yahweh? Yeah, what? Okay, God asked to be left alone. That's an interesting uh, um, you know, topic to discuss about God. Asked to be left alone, specifically what God said and what Moses said. Anybody notice anything? It's like the exact same thing, right? God says, your people who you brought out of Egypt. Remember the burning bush. You know, Moses, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. I'm sending you into Egypt to go to Pharaoh and get my people out of there. Moses brings them out. And God says, your people who you brought out of Egypt. And Moses turns around and he says, ah, uh, question for the judge, please. May I approach the bench? Um these are your people and you brought them out of Egypt and it's your hand I want to highlight a couple of things from this text as we talk about identity and DNA and vision and I want to start by saying number one your people Moses responds and he says God these are your people they're not my people they're your people not some other gods, not Baals, not, uh, not some other sort of uh, uh, ancient Near Eastern God, but Yahweh. These are your people. Moses recognizes that ultimately Israel, this group of people that's learning who they are and getting this identity and, and about to experience something amazing in the next few chapters of Exodus. He says, Israel is yours. It's not mine. And I, I don't know if this is a test or not. But, I mean, it kind of almost sets itself up as one where God says, Moses, your people, and you brought them out of Egypt. And if it is a test, Moses gets it. Moses sees it. And he says, actually, this group of people, this new community in the world that's supposed to represent God to the world, it's your people. You define them, not me. I have nothing to say about that. But you do. Then he goes on. He not only says, these are your people, God, but it's you who has redeemed them. It's you who has brought them out of Egypt. Moses, or God says to Moses, you're the guy. You brought them out. You you parted the Red Sea. You, you, You said, follow me. And Moses returns and he replies and he says, actually, God, it's you who have redeemed. It's you who have restored. It's you who have rescued them. So he says, it's your your people, God. You've rescued them. And then he says, and it's your hand at work among these people. So if there's any question at all left on the table, Moses clears it up and he says, essentially, God, it's all yours. I have nothing to do with this community. I want no part in it. My hands are clean. It could be interpreted that way, but I think what he's really getting at is This community of people is marked by, defined by, led by, experienced by Yahweh, the God, the creator of the universe, the one who called them up out of Egypt and rescued them and restored them and made them a people and redeemed them, right? The I Am's of Exodus 6. This is what Moses is doing. This is what he's tapping into. This is the story that he's telling. Now, when we get here, and here's how I'm tying this all together. When we get here, for Moses, when he gets to this place where he recognizes that this thing, this community of people, this group of people in the world who are supposed to represent God, when he gets to this place, where he says, it's your people, you've redeemed them, it's your hand. I think it, if you were here last week, it leads us to a place where we say things like hineni, which is this Hebrew word that means, here I am, or uh, here am I Right and it's this idea of being Moses is essentially saying I'm all in I'm all it's like When we cast ourselves Recklessly you know uh, There's a great I, <laughs> I wasn't going to say this but I used to listen to Country music I know I know how many okay just Just uh, tr- truth be told here Moment of honesty how many of you had a Phase in your life where you listened to country Music please raise your hands Okay, or it's still going. Okay, most, uh, at least half, a little bit more than half. In college, I, list, I went to school in Colorado. I had a roommate from New Mexico, and he was a redneck, period. Like, I will caricature and characterize him as such because he was. Be that as it may, I listened to a little bit of, uh, of country music, and there was this one song that talked about, like, reckless abandon, like, throwing ourselves caution to the wind. Does anyone know what song this is? I think it's... Oh, that, maybe it's half. <laughs> yes, yes. It's, uh, it is probably about half of them. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> but hineni is this word that taps into that. See, in the country music people, they, they're onto something, right? Hineni is like, all of me. I'm all in. Here I am. I, can st- I Luther, I stand here. I can do no other. It's giving yourself wholly to something. And when Moses recognizes this, that this is God's people, that it's God who redeemed them, that it's God's hand at work. It leads, uh, leads people to say things like Hineni. And if you follow the story to the end of the book, chapters 33 to 40, what you find is, and if this book is truly about identity, if it's truly about a group of people becoming a people, what, you see what comes next is the building of a place. This is where they build the tabernacle, right? Because previously along the journey, they've been wandering around in the desert, And this is where they they build the tabernacle, where God's spirit, where the presence of God, a physical location where God will manifest God's self to the world. This is what they build. And the people of God, when given a vision of who they are and who Yahweh is, actually, if you read the story, they give everything. Uh, At one point in the story, Moses and the the leaders of, of the Israelites have to tell them, okay, stop, stop giving your stuff. Stop giving your possessions. Stop giving your, your, your jewels and your gold and your, your things of value. Stop, because we have more than we need, more than we can handle to build this thing. It's as if the people were all in. And look at how the story ends. Turn to Exodus 40, right at the end of the, of, of the book of Exodus, the last couple of verses. Verse 33 says this, Then Moses set up the courtyard around the tabernacle and the altar and put up the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard. And so Moses finished his work. And then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So, if I could sum this up, God builds something in the people and with the people. And what, it, and what is it that he builds? A building, yes. More importantly, the place from which the presence of God is manifest into the world. So God builds something in the people and with the people. And what he builds is the thing... That manifests the presence of God That tells the story of God That invites the nations into relationship with God This is what God does with Israel I've Hopefully some of you are picking up what I'm putting down Hopefully you're connecting some of the dots Because this isn't really a story about the Israelites, is it? This isn't just a story about a group of people Who lived 3,000 years ago in a desert Is it? This isn't just a story about Moses. And a leader who recognizes that this is not, these are not my people. And it's not me who has led them anywhere. And it's God's hand at work in this community. Let me see if I can um, take this vision idea, this picture that I'm trying to paint for us about the future and and really what it is that we're doing here, and try to uh, put it in maybe layman's terms or a little bit more concrete. Um, But remember, as I do this, it may seem a little clunky and it may seem a little rigid. But you have to remember, and if you don't, I I think we missed the whole point, that what drives this thing, what pushes this train down the track, if we're going to use that metaphor, is the Spirit of God at work in this community. Pneumatology is the study of the Spirit of God. This is a something on the theological landscape that sort of has fallen off uh, uh, popularity for a while. You know, it's all about soteriology, how are we saved, and... Homardiology is sin. Everybody likes to talk about sin, right? These big theological concepts. Pneumatology, the study of the Spirit, is is sort of percolating back to the surface because I think the church is recognizing that without it, we're sunk. Without it, we have no power. Without it, we have no, no vision. Without it, we have no input. So you have to remember that what I'm about to do, what I'm about to to share with you are some tracks that we're trying, some infrastructure and some structure that we're trying to build around and under what we assume is true about Awaken. And that is that the Spirit of God is at work in this community and it's leading and it's moving and it's guiding and illuminating and showing. Without that, pack it up. It's not worth it. You're all really nice, but game's over for me. So that's what drives this thing. Now, I want to share with you four environments that we want to cultivate at Awaken. And I do this because these are things that we assume, if these things are in place, I think it's a pretty sweet cocktail for spiritual formation and, and transformation. When we're doing these things together in community, I think it, it lends itself to us growing and us being stretched and us being moved and challenged to live as people who follow Jesus. So these are four environments we want to cultivate. Now, let me jump in. Number one is Sunday morning. Oh, and by the way, um, it's really important for me and for you as a group of people. When you bring somebody here, if you br- if somebody new comes or you have a friend and they kind of they, they think, oh, hey, this is kind of cool. What's next? What I don't want you to say is, Micah, what's next? What I want you to do is, I want you to know. I want you to be familiar with the track that we're trying to get people on. The 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 uh, that's not a very good. Um, uh, metaphor because it seems really coercive. Um, I want you to know the environments that we're trying to cultivate at Awaken because we think that they do something, because we think that they lend themselves to spiritual growth. I want you to know those things. I don't want you to look to the leaders. I don't want you to think, hey, let's call Mike and ask him. So that's why I'm sharing some of these. Number one, Sunday morning. Uh, Sunday morning is about We want to tell and retell the story of Jesus in imaginative, in beautiful, in artistic, in creative, and in compelling ways. Why? Just yesterday, I was out with my neighbor, and he called me. Uh, My wife and kids are in California, so I'm a bachelor. I have work to do. I have some home projects. I've got the whole basement just ripped apart uh, because for a number of reasons, some of which I won't share with you right now because it wouldn't be appropriate. Um, So I've got the whole basement ripped apart. And Brandon calls me, and uh, he says, hey, do you want to go to the new Fulton? Uh, Fulton is a a brewer in town, and they just opened a new brew pub, and they're giving tours of the deal, and he's a home brewer, and I'm a home brewer, and I'm like, hey, great, great idea, right? I'll take a little break from doing my deal, and I'll go and tour the, the, the deal. So we go, and then on the way home, I'm thinking, okay, time to get back, crack lacking. mom is in California thinking, what are you doing at home with nobody around, no kids to love you and ask you questions and, you know, ask you more questions and ask you for something and I need to go to the bathroom, but I'm five and I can do it myself, but I just want you to come with me. None of those things happening to me. So what are you doing while you're at home? This is all going on in my head, right? So I'm drive, we're driving back and I'm thinking, time to get home. And, 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 and I forgot to mention, he invited this guy who lives across the street, and uh, uh, down the way he's got a couple kids, and Laura's like, you really should get to know this guy, he's a cool guy, the kids go to school together, la, 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 la. He says, hey, do you want to stop at Town Hall on the way home? And I'm like, oh, yes, I do, I would love to. And the whole time I'm thinking, clock's ticking, man, Mama is not going to be happy with this move. So we go, we sit down, and this happens all the time to me. We're sitting, we're chatting, and the question is asked So, Micah, do you know what's coming next? What do you do? I'm at a bar with two guys who, you know, one definitely not been to church in a long time, other, who I'm not really sure. Um, we're sitting there, and what do you do, Micah? And it's that moment where you're like, I'm a teacher. <laughs> right? That crosses my mind, and uh, truth be told, I have said that before, but yesterday, I said, well, actually, Eric, I'm a pastor, and you can see, like, their eyes just go, oh, my gosh, I swore a lot <laughs> in this conversation, right? And, like, the last half an hour just goes through their mind instantly, and they're just like, oh, I am so screwed, and I'm like, but don't worry. Everything's fine. You know, I'm not going to ask you to do confession near the bar (laughs) he says so what do you do and we start talking about what i do and i said well actually we started a church uh, last summer and he's like really what's that like i'm like well and i share you know a little bit about awaken and he's like so and he starts telling me about his like personal life and his dad and his dad used to sleep through the sermon and you know all this stuff, and, you know, we don't really go to church, but, you know, I'm all, I'm, I'm all for it. Good for you. That, you know, all of those kinds of things. And I said, yeah, you know, what we're trying to do, I, I said, I think a lot of people have had a rough go with religion and spiritual things in church. And we're just trying to do something different. We're trying to do something, uh, because here's the thing. We believe that Jesus is worth our effort and that our friends and our family members are worth our effort, and that it doesn't have to be how it was for some of the people who it was for. Uh, it's not to say everybody has this experience of church and religion, but some have. Bottom line, I'm sitting there and I'm like, this is why we do what we do on Sunday morning. Why do we work hard to be creative? Why do we work hard to do things creatively and imaginatively? Because we think it's Jesus is worth it, and we think the story that we're trying to tell... Is worth our imagination and worth our best effort. So when we gather on Sunday morning, we're trying to tell and retell the story of Jesus. We're trying to do something. We're doing something that we can't do alone, but that we can only do together. You can't be us. Wherever you live, or at work, or at school, you can't be us. You can only be you. But when we gather, we can only be us. We can't be you or me. Does that make sense? So when we gather, it's vital, and it's important, and it's a part of our life together. Because you can't do us alone. We need each other. And hopefully, and this is part of my deal, is that this will be at the center. This story and the life of Jesus and the story of God is at the center of what we do on Sunday mornings. That's why we do this. That's an environment that we want to cultivate, and we want to say that's valuable, and we want to invite you to participate in that. Second is this, serving. Um, Now, don't think that this is some kind of a pro bono community service kind of thing where you just, you know, oh, yeah, you should donate some of your time to some kind of a thing. Actually, what I'm talking about here is you knowing who you are and what God has made you to do that only you can do, that you have been uniquely crafted and your experiences have been knit together that you can do and nobody else can do. My hope and my dream and my my prayer for you as a pastor is that you get that that you know what it is that you're passionate about and how God has uniquely made you. And not only that, but that you're taking those things and that you're in the process of spending yourself for the kingdom and investing your time and energy and efforts into the things of God in the world. So it's not just about serve, donate time. It's about do you know who God has made you to be? And if not, let's, let's help you figure that out. Let's talk about that. Let's figure out what are your experiences. and What makes you pound the table? What keeps you up at night? And how do you leverage those things and invest them in what God's doing in the world? I'll say two things about this. Number one, pastorally, that's what I want for you, regardless of awaken. Because when we don't understand that, when we don't know those things about ourselves, I think we miss out on what it means to be human and what it means to be you. Like all of you, you know, Joel Olstein, the best you. Sorry, I was uncalled for. I apologize. The, but literally, the best you, like the one that God made you to be. That's what I want for you, regardless of Awaken. I'll say that, primarily. Secondarily, there's a lot of work to do here. There's a lot of work to do here at Awaken. And it's my, my belief that um, I can't do it all. I think sometimes in church land, um, the pastor and his wife, who plays the organ and does the kids ministry, they just do it all. Friends, this is not that kind of place. My, one, my wife doesn't have a musical bone in her body. Sorry, this is being recorded, isn't it? Hi, Laura, honey, I love you. You have lots of other gifts, but she doesn't play the organ, and uh, and we don't have one. We don't have one. So where would she do? What would she do? Okay, friends, here's the thing. We will not do it all. Literally two weeks ago, she was here, and she looked around, and there were uh, just a truckload of people here and uh, a lot of new people. Like, I would venture to say a dozen brand-new faces, and she looked at me, and and she said, I can't do it. And I looked around, and I literally felt like I cannot physically get to all these people. I can't in the time that I have this morning and the things that I'm, I'm supposed to do here I can't introduce myself to everybody and say I'd love to follow up and connect with you. So, two choices. One, nobody jumps in. Those people come for a few weeks and they don't connect. They don't find any meaningful relationships and they leave and we stay like this. Look around. Option two, you own this thing. You actually own Awaken. And it's us together, not you being spoon-fed by me, but us together responding to what God's doing in our midst. Lots to do. So, do you know your gifts? Are you serving? Three, life groups. I'm going to get off the platform here for a second. I want to introduce Tim and Corky. Tim and Corky are going to come up and just uh, introduce themselves briefly uh, and what they're doing in our community. And then they're going to introduce one of our friends who's going to share a little bit about life groups because she can say it a lot better than I can. Mr. Tim.
1: Uh, Good morning. I'm Tim Testa, and I'm Corky Newton. I'm the straight guy. He's a funny guy. So, and uh, we we we're. What did you do?
0: Tim shoots a straight, and Corky's really funny. He's kind of an awkward guy. Yes. Let me just. De- I'm just going to decode that for you guys, because <laughs> this is being recorded. Thank you. Take it away, Tim. All right. <laughs> uh.
1: Anyway, we're, we're in charge of life groups, and, um, and so we just wanted to kind of come up and, and just uh, interview one of the life group members and to just talk about life groups a little bit and, and how you can get involved in life groups. So, Susan, if you would come up. This is uh, Susan Smur. She is in a life group, and for uh, full disclosure, <coughs> just so you know, she is in my life group. So, so the best life group. Yes, right. <laughs> so, she has volunteered to come up here and uh, answer a few of our questions for you. So, can, we can talk about life groups. I thought we could get in a little circle and just, like, do, like, ring around the rosy, you know, and that way everybody could see us. So, because I feel like I'm not talking to everybody. So, anyway. I could do this. I don't know. Kind of what? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, Susan. So, uh, why did you decide to join a life group?
2: Um, This is on? Okay. I'm not not real good at this. (laughs) If I faint, just uh, call 911. Um, We uh, joined life group because um, we felt like that it was the next step. Um, We came here the first time and loved it and kept coming and um, knew we needed to get somewhere past that, kind of small talk and, um, and meet, uh, people on a deeper level. Okay. All right. Good.
1: So do you think your decision to join a life group has been a good decision?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely the best decision. Um, we, um, my husband and I, um, look forward to it. Um, there's been a few times when we've had to cancel it or, Think about canceling it, and it's, it's you know we're down in the dumps, and so it's it's actually really the highlight um, for me personally of of my week um, when everyone's coming over. Okay. Right.
1: So, um, so how long have you been in the group? How long has it been going on?
2: We um, formed the group, started um, emailing everyone last ye- uh, this earlier this year um, in winter. Um, And it was extremely important to all of us to make sure that we all were there from the get-go, from the very first meeting. And so that took a while with schedules and and busy schedules and and different things. But um, we started meeting, I think, in um, February. February. So we met February through May, approximately, or June. And then we took (laughs) the summer off, and now we just recently started back up again.
1: So, and tell me a little bit about what you do in your life group.
2: Um, We make it um, pretty informal and easy and casual and comfortable. And um, we meet at at our house, but I feel like our house is their house. And so they come in, you know, they help themselves and do what they need to. And we um, basically socialize in the beginning, and then we, um, discuss, um, and then we pray. Okay. We <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes that's short, sometimes long, um, and then we eat, uh, usually. <laughs> we don't have to eat, but it's always nice to eat and socialize yes. that way, yes. so. Yes. Very fun. It, I, I personally don't want the evening to end, and, and it, it's really fun
1: it usually um, ends we're the, we're more on the older side of things so it usually ends with one of us falling bedtime. asleep mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're all nicely tucked in uh-huh. and <laughs> then i know it's time to end the, the night <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when someone doesn't uh, open their eyes after the prayer then i know
2: <laughs> <laughs> or we hear snoring
1: yes yes um so are there other things that you do in your life group?
2: There are other things that we do in in our life group. Um, we have um, got on board, got, gotten on board with the um, the the hunger, the hunger thing. <laughs> one, so thing. The, yes. the one thing, One thing, the yes. one thing, yeah. Yeah. and we've um, we've gone to uh, feed my starving children, and as a group, and we've. We've packed sandwiches for 363, like, three times. Um, very fun. Uh, and uh, bonfire, we've had, you know, through the, throughout the summer, we've met for breakfast and bonfire. And these, these are the people in my small group or life group is, they're my family. We just moved here two years ago, and we have no family. So these are people from my community, from my church home that, that I dearly love and have been able to, we've been able to cultivate um, just a much deeper relationship. And it's, um, that's why it's the highlight of my week. It's, it's um, you know, just having someone that you can, you know, share with, rejoice, or be sad with is priceless.
1: Thanks.
2: Appreciate you're
3: welcome. It. Yep. I'm done?
2: That's Good. Done. Good. <laughs> Thank you. If anyone else is not involved in live
3: groups, they want to get involved, not all live groups look the same. And that's uh, one of the things that I've uh, – my wife and I, Amy, sitting over there and our three-year-old Adam, who I'm sure most of you have heard at some point. Um, <clears throat> one of the elements that we really appreciate is – you know there isn't this uh, and Mike has already sort of alluded to this, you know there's ni- there isn't this rigid framework or structure that that we try to uh, get you guys going down. We want people for this to be an experience for people in a setting and with people and in a method that makes sense for them. Uh, again, they, they don't all look the same, and they all take different shapes. Uh, ours, we get together because we all have kids it's just the stage of life that we're in there's a young men's group, there's a young women's group there's Uh, a mother's group that gets together. So uh, these are just some examples and if you have ideas or a need that you think suits you and you want to take hold of that and run with it, by all means uh, step up and and come forward and potentially lead one of these things. Uh, We're always looking for people to come out and lead new groups because they are growing and we're getting new people signing up for these all the time and at some point we need additional avenues and ideas and concepts and all part of the beauty of the <clears throat> the creativity and artistry you know that stuff interweaves into all of the different elements that we that we do and that we have and that can certainly play itself out in the life group so if you're on the fence and just let me be frank about my experience with life groups see there he is <laughs> uh, you know i was i've i've always been on the fence about these and for the first time in my life you know the group that we're involved with is it makes sense for us and again that looks different for everybody but if you're if you're hesitant if you have questions you know don't be bashful contact my myself Tim uh, and we'd be happy to sit down and, and if it makes sense it makes sense and they're not for everybody so don't feel bad about that but we do think it's a valuable asset to building and strengthening the community of Awaken so we hope and encourage that you will at least if nothing else, talk to us, and then we'll know each other's names and we'll be friends. So, anyway, thank you.
0: Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. <clears throat> uh, I won't belabor this point any longer, but I will highlight. Did anybody catch what Susan said right at the end? This is my family. These are, this is my community, and uh, I love these people. Uh, that's human. That's what we all desire and long for. This is one of the ways that we're trying to make that accessible at Awaken. So if you haven't participated, if you, if you haven't um, stepped out in that way yet, I would encourage you to at least consider it. So last one, uh, and we'll wrap things up here, uh, to invest financially in what God's doing here at Awaken. Um, this is the part of uh, this teaching where it could go one of two ways. One, um, it could reinforce some of the bad experiences you've had with church and money, or I'm hoping and praying and have been praying that – We talk about it in a way that uh, maybe is fresh and a little bit uh, unpredictable for you. Um, Let me say a couple of things before I do that and just kind of share a few numbers. Um, Vision always needs resources. So when you talk about vision, whether you're talking about a a for-profit or non-for-profit, any organization, if you're talking about vision and where we're going and what we want to do and be about, it always needs resources. But resources always, always, always follow vision. They always follow vision. Nobody's giving money to places that have no vision and have no idea of what they're doing and what they're trying to accomplish. Nobody does that. It's dumb and it's irresponsible. So what we're hoping to do is share a little bit about the vision of Awaken. Um, as a church plant, we've been here a year and a half, and we have appropriations, uh, which is essentially to say we have uh, three different partners financially that are giving money to, to help make this thing work, and we have to be self-sufficient and stand on our O2 feet at the end of three years. So we're a year and a half into that, uh, we have a little bit of debt, which I'll share a little bit about in a second. Um, but the challenge is, um, based on the numbers that you're about to see and how much we get in appropriations and how much we get just out of uh, this group of people who give to awaken, you'll notice uh, how much we have to um, live into and what that's going to look like. Uh, Jesus teaches about money all the time. And I think we can learn from Scripture that, and our own human experience that if we don't intentionally master money and resources, that it masters us. It minds us back. It, it, it actually takes a hold of our lives. When we don't master it and when we don't intentionally take steps to say, this is a resource, this is a tool that I leverage to do something with, it actually holds us back. Uh, and, and I want to ask you this question. Do you regularly give a portion of your income away? I don't want you to answer it, but I want to ask the question. Do you regularly give a portion of your income away? And I ask that question because I have a deep belief and conviction that if we don't... Or I'll I'll put it positively. I have a deep belief and conviction that this is a better way to live. That to give of something, to give of our income and our resources, is actually a better way to live. To be generous with the things that we have and the things that we've we've been given and that we've worked hard for, to to give some of those away and to live from a place of generosity and open-handedness is a better way to live and be human. So what I'm asking you and what I'm challenging you to do is, regardless of Awaken, again, as a pastor, this is what I want for you. If you don't give a dime to Awaken ever, but you learn to live with a generous heart, then I will be thrilled. So please hear that. If you do give a portion of your money away and you don't give to Awaken yet, why not? If you do give a portion of your money away and you agree with that premise, that assumption, but you haven't invested financially at Awaken, why not? If you agree with me that it it actually is better for you to live generously, but you have not translated that to I'm going to give to Awaken, and you call this home, then either you don't believe me, you don't believe us, you don't trust the leadership of this church or there's something in your past that is keeping you from doing that and I want to know what it is. If you don't think that this vision is worth, is worth giving your time and energy and money to, then go find one that is. Again, this is not in the How to Grow a Church Manual. But I want you to invest yourselves for the kingdom's cause. And if you're not and you call yourself a follower of Jesus, then what are you doing here? Get involved in a community that you can give yourself to, and you can actually invest your time, your energy, and your money to do something and be a part of what God's doing in the world. That's what it means to be the church. That's why Moses says, no, God, these are your people, because there's a purpose for it. It wasn't just random, hey, let's get a group of people together and call them this for the sake of whatever, and who cares? It was for the purpose of redemption and putting the world back together. To take back all that had been lost in Genesis 3. To take back to right what had been wronged in in Adam and Eve and the choice to, to live outside of what God intended. That's why we do this. That's what the church is about. And so if you're not at a place where you're investing in that and you follow Jesus, then why? Why not? And if you're here, and you, bel- and you agree with me that to live generously is a better way to live, and you're not giving to Awaken yet, then there's something that's holding you back, and I want to know what it is. So let's have coffee, let's sit down, let's talk about it. If you're willing to share, if you say to me, you know what, Micah, I don't think uh, that whatever you guys are pushing is, uh, is, is worth investing my time and money into. I'd love to hear it. I honestly would. But if this is your community, and you haven't gotten involved in what God's doing here yet, I want to challenge you to do that. I'll just say it straightforward I'm not beating around the bush, obviously Let me share just some information with you So you have an idea as to where we are Uh, On the top box here is appropriations and tithes So in the last few months, July, August, September, October The top line is what has come in from appropriations These are our financial supporters Which would be Berean Baptist Church The Northwest Conference of the Covenant Denomination Church Planting Department And the Covenant uh, as a whole Okay, so those three financial partners make up those numbers. Some of it's a little, fl- it, it fluxes a little bit because some people give at this point whatever. But it's about, on average, uh, a little more than 4500 5000 a month at this point right now. And that declines every year. Um, tithes, you can see there, that's the money that people give to Awaken on Sunday morning or online. If you didn't know, you can give online. I don't know if you knew that. There's a, a donate button on the, on the internets. Um, and then income and expenses, as you can see, we're about flat. We've paid out what we brought in, paid the bills, uh, all of the things that we need to do to do ministry. That's that. Okay? Uh, for some of you that don't know, in order to start this gig, we uh, incurred a little bit of debt. So, Katie, if you want to flip to that next slide. At its highest, was about 15000 So that included work to renovate the kids' space over there, some of the sound system that we've got, and some other things uh, that were included in that. Um, and as you can see, we've been chipping away at that. Our goal is to have that free and clear at the end of this calendar year. And right now, that uh, balance is about $6,000. And that was money that we borrowed from the denomination, uh, from the church planting department in our conference. Um, If you want to flip to that last slide there. (coughs) Um, For those of you who are number uh, junkies, uh, number munchers, um, that's just a a snapshot of the attendance at Awaken, adults, kids, and then the total. So um, as You can look as it goes to the right. Uh, It's gotten a little bit better in the last couple months, and we've seen a lot of new faces. Um, So that's just a snapshot. Um, There's obviously a lot more data, and I would be more than happy to sit down with you. um, If you talk to me or somebody on the pastoral advisory team, uh, which would be Joan over here, Roger over here, uh, Lori Dahlman over here. Um, any of us would would love to sit down and talk with you at at length or uh, any details that you have are there any questions just based on some of the numbers you saw uh, that have come up from that um, for those that call Awaken Home or just curious folks here today any questions from that? yeah yep go back one more Uh, If you look at August, August was a pretty rough month. Um, It was the middle of summer, and uh, a lot of people were off doing things that they do during the summer. So we didn't have the cash on hand to be able to pay into that in August. January was basically when we started, or when we, you know, were at a point where we could start paying into it. So um, the the, the money that we pay back into the debt is basically, uh, you know, money that we would use for ministry, um it's over and above uh the rent for this place um what would it be um personnel you know expenses for staff and, and ex- insurance and that kind of thing other questions yes yep how fast does the start um In theory, it would uh, be—it's 150,000 over three years, and it should be 70, 50, 30. Uh, I'm not a math guy, so I don't know the percentages there. But um, that—the one tricky part is Berean had decided to give a flat number all the way across the three years, so it won't decrease as much as 70, 50, 30. But it wasn't—it was like 60, 50, 40. Is that still—is that about right? So, does that answer your question? Okay. That is, uh, it's, it's, nope, it's not, it's not something that we'll pay back. It's something that the Covenant and Berean uh, have invested in us to get us started. Um, the uh, 15% of the tithe number, so any money that comes in on tithes, we give 15% back to the conference for a couple of things. One would be 5% goes right back into church planting. Uh, 5% goes to global missions that the Covenant is participating in and we're working on actually finding a actual partner So it's not general, but we'll have a specific person that we will give to uh, and then five of that goes to other denominational Things that they do a lot. There's many of them. I can't exhaustively tell you so does that make sense other questions? Again, um, I recognize this isn't maybe the best forum for some to ask questions. Uh, Please feel free to set up an email or send me an email. We'll set up an appointment or, uh, you know, we can put you in touch with some of the people who actually do know numbers a little bit more than I do. Let me bring this thing around and try to land this plane. Um, Here's where the rubber meets the road. We believe, Awaken believes, I believe, that this is a community that God wants to do something with. That it's in God's heart to use this group of people in the story of redemption. In the story of what God's doing in the world. That's why we're here. That's why we're inviting you to participate in it. And friends, um, it looks all kinds of different ways all kinds of different ways depending on who you are the gifts you have the passions you have the resources you have at your disposal but my challenge to you my hope for you my prayer for you and my invitation to you is to get involved in what God's doing here if you're not yet if you are thank you um, it, is a, it is my joy and honor and privilege to link arms with you guys and to do what we're doing and to walk the path that we're walking um, I tell people all the time Personally, outside of my role as pastor at Awaken, I need this community. It has become the community that ministers that that literally speaks to my soul, that that fills me up, and it gives me great joy uh, to be able to do this with you. So, um, with that, I'm going to invite Ben and uh, the crew back up, and we're going to uh, he's going to teach us a new song. And I wanted, to, I wanted him to do this song because it uh, kind of frames a little bit of where we've been and where we're going. It's called Let Our Faith Be Not Alone. And uh, it taps into this idea that we are not the first people doing this. <laughs> there have been thousands and thousands and thousands of people for thousands of years who have followed the way of Jesus and said yes to what happened in Exodus 32. These are your people. This is your church. And it's you who have redeemed us. It's you, God. It's you, Jesus, whom the stories in this room represents and and tap into. And it's your hand at work. That's what we're after. That's what we long for. And we have a a group of people who have gone before us, who have faithfully walked the way of Jesus, who we're trying to follow. And hopefully at some point we can pass this thing off. I hope and pray that 40, 50 years down the road that um, I get to pass this thing off to somebody else, Lord willing, if I were to have that honor. So um, let's sing together and uh, thank you so much for coming. Find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com. Backslash community. We want off and we can call See you next time.